You're listening to Cam's Talk, a podcast brought to you by the service users and professionals from East London NHS Foundation Trust. A podcast where you can hear us discuss, debate and challenge issues around child and adolescent mental health in the UK. Good morning and welcome to our latest episode of our CAMS Talk podcast. My name is Nikki Scott. I'm um, the participation lead for CAMS Bedfordshire and Luton and I'm delighted to be joined today by my colleague Ashling. Morning Ashling. Hi everyone. Yes, my name's Ashling Callahan and I'm the other service user participation lead for Beds and Luton CAMS. Uh, we haven't done a podcast together, Nikki and I, for a while, so it's nice to be back together. Um, and my pronouns are she, her. Thanks, Ashling. Um, and today we are talking about depression, and I'm really pleased to um, be joined by four of our young people. Um, I'm going to get them to introduce themselves to you. Morning to Jay. Hi, Jay. How are you? Good morning. I'm okay. Thank you. Um, I'm Jay, I'm an ex-service user of CAMS and yeah, I'm 20, I'm an adult service user and I've been doing participation for a few years now. Thanks Jane. it's great to have you back joining one of our conversations <laughs> and we have Shana with us today, morning Shana. Morning. Hi, I'm Shana. Um, I'm 18. I'm an ex-CAM service user and I'm studying at Loughborough University at the minute. Yeah, and I've been doing participation for a year and a bit. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Shana. And we have two um, new service users with us today who, um, this is their third, first podcast with us, so it's great to have you here. Morning, Keely. Good morning. Um, hi, I'm Keely. I'm 16 and I'm a CAM service user. Thanks, Keely. Lovely to have you here. And last but not least, we have Ashley. Morning. Good morning. Um, my name is Ashley. I am 17. I am a CAMS user, um, soon to be ex-CAMS user because I'll be 18 soon. Um, and yeah. Thanks, Ashley. So, as I say, um, this morning we're going to be talking about depression, um, which is something that affects a huge number of people, both young and old, whatever age. Um, and I think increasingly in the last two and a half years, um, while we've been through the pandemic um, and spent a lot of time on our own, really struggled um, in not having our normal routines, depressions affected a lot more people than it ordinarily would have done. Um, so I'm going to start the conversation by asking you um, what depression is like for you on a daily basis. How how does it um, affect you? Um, can I come to Shana first? Um, for me, it kind of fluctuates. It's quite different from time to time when I um, experience it so when I was younger so about 15 um, I didn't know what I was going for I didn't understand it and um, it was more of a numbness feeling I couldn't really didn't really feel many emotions and I was kind of um, at that time I was doing my GCSEs and I was working part-time so I was just working all the time I worked all through the weekend and I wasn't actually paying any attention to what I was feeling I was just doing work not acknowledging anything so it was like I was I suppose it's not what you see typical depression as because I was just very active doing a lot of stuff not um it, I just seemed fine I suppose but my mum knew that there was something wrong so um, yeah, and then other times, like um, more recently, it's, I suppose, more typical depression, like feeling um, quite 
upset and sad and not um, being as active as I usually am and not enjoying the things I usually do so like art and things like that so I suppose it it kind of fluctuates for me yeah and that's quite typical actually isn't it that it can actually present in different ways um I wonder if that that resonates at all Jay can you can you relate to to what Shana was saying there? Yeah, definitely. I think for me, it mainly um, presents itself as like numbness and disconnect, um, just not feeling anything. Um, and that kind of hopeless feeling, I guess. And I think, like you said, some people, it can be sadness and it can be tearful. Whereas me, I just have like a, cut off um can't cry can't feel a lot um um yeah and I think that's very tiring and then you just get in a cycle because when you're tired you feel worse and it's just you get a bit stuck in a in a pattern thanks Jay um and you're right that 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 feeling of just not being not having any energy not not having any inclination to want to do something um Keely I wonder if um we can hear from you please um how how does depression present in your experience um I think for me personally it kind of varies on day-to-day basis but I can go a few weeks or a couple months and I'll be completely fine but then it just kind of drops and I won't leave my room I don't I stop speaking to people I don't do anything and I feel like in that space where I am really down it's kind of like it drains you even more because you have to keep trying to get up and prove to everyone that you're all right but you know deep down that you're not. Thanks, Keely, for sharing that. And I can see, Ashley, you, you were nodding away there as, as Keely was, was speaking. Um, does that sound familiar to you? Yeah, it sounds really familiar. Like, it feels like you're on a roller coaster ride. Like, there's the high points and then there's the really low points. Like, when you're up high, if you like, you feel all right but then when you hit rock bottom everything just goes south like you don't know how to feel you don't know how to represent yourself for me personally I get up I do my makeup and I just try and hold it in um because I want to try and show my siblings that you can get through anything and then at night times I will sit there and cry um depending on how low I feel normally I'll just cry all day but I can't put that brave face on but yeah it's like a roller coaster ride for me Shana um yeah I kind of really quite resonate with what you said about putting like your brave face on because um when I lived at home that's what I had to do because obviously I didn't want to make my um, parents or siblings worried. And also some, when I go home, um, I have to be more strong about it. I suppose I can't um, ex- express how I'm feeling as much just because I don't want to make them upset and I want to show them that I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds really exhausting actually because it is very much about how you present your yourself to to the outside world isn't it it sounds a bit like wearing a mask to me um jay yeah i think it's definitely um a type of masking um because it's that um it's like putting on performance i guess and then like you said it's exhausting doing that so then you come home or step away from the situation and then you crash and like um Ashley said it's often in the night time um which is definitely when I struggle most it's when everything kind of stops for the day and you're like 
whoa, time to think. Um, and that can be really exhausting. I tend to get, you get in a cycle of the evenings, you're like, this is so bad, everything's so bad. And sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm like, what was that, what was that all about? This is fine. And then it repeats the next night and um, that's exhausting as well. It's just all very exhausting. <laughs> so that pattern, that's really interesting that you picked up on that. You, you almost, is it almost like you don't know what to expect on a daily basis, that you don't know what what's gonna hit you when you wake up in the morning? And actually, sometimes you can be really pleasantly surprised and think, well, okay, I feel, I actually feel okay today. Today feels like I'm going to be able to cope. But then on other days, it just descends as such. People talk about a black cloud, don't they? They also talk about the black dog um, and that feeling of being overwhelmed. Shana? Yeah, I definitely agree with that because I remember, a, I think a year ago, um, I was quite struggling with it a lot. And usually I'd put on my brave face, as I said, and do what I had to do. And then it came to, um, I'd been invited to go out somewhere to go to London with um, my mum's friends and her um, daughter. And it was something I was looking forward to. But on that day, I just couldn't face it. You know, I just couldn't get up I couldn't do it so I, I told my parents I was ill so I didn't go which I was upset about because obviously it felt like I'd failed because I I couldn't get up and do it but I was just so tired of like having to get up and do it and go out you know so it's, it is very difficult. Ashley can I come to you? Um, I completely understand what Shana was going on about um you don't know what to expect you don't know the situations on the day like one little argument or someone could say something and you can take it the complete different way when you're feeling low and it just ruins your whole day um I remember I was feeling all right um but I was still feeling low and then I ended up falling over and my white trainers got blood all over him and I just it just ruined the rest of my day. Like one little thing can just set you off, especially if you're feeling really low. So, yeah. And it can be a different thing on a different day, can't it? Sometimes your coping mechanisms are better on one day than the other. So that same thing that happens, if it happened every day, it could you could react completely differently, actually. Um Jay, I can see that you you are resonating with that. Yeah, I think a lot of it, like you said, it's it's like, you know, to be metaphorical, it's it's like having that cloud um, following you. Um, I kind of would describe it, and I have done in the past, as like it's always there. Like I can be happy, but it's still there, and the things that you know, um, it's always there in the background. As soon as you stop whatever you're doing, it's just like, in it comes again. Um, and yeah, I was gonna say it's exhausting again, but don't repeat myself, but it, it kind of enforces the point, I guess. It's just, um, yeah. And it, yeah, you, I, I like what Shana said about how you, you want to do these things, but you feel like you can't. Um, and then that makes you feel worse. You know, it's all about, it's all a cycle. Um, and I know I was like that when I was younger in school, I wanted to go to school and I wanted to do all these things, but then I felt like I couldn't. And I think it kind of stops you enjoying things. I think that's a, that's a thing lots of people say. It's like a symptom. You don't enjoy the things you used to enjoy. Um, and I definitely feel that. Yeah. Kaylee, can I come to you? Um, as well as what everyone else has been saying, I feel like it kind of gets to the point where you've been putting on a brave face for so long that you kind of get used to it and you start to believe that you really are right. And then one day it just hits you and then you're thinking, oh, I'm not 
actually all right it's just like tending but when you're in the position where you think that you're all right because you've been pretending for so long you start to feel kind of I'd say free from you feel like you're getting better but you know like really deep down that it's just going to come back again Sounds very much like a cycle that's actually really, really hard to get off of. Like, you know, talking about a merry-go-round, you're stuck on a merry-go-round and how do you actually get off? And it's, uh, you know, what helps you to get off? Um, Shana? Um, Yeah, I quite, as I say, resonate with that as well because um, I've been having depression on and off for like, years so it's almost like it's you I'm gonna have to deal with it my whole life if you know what I mean like it it will always be there in the background if I feel better but um I'll get better and then it will come back again and I'll get worse if you know what I mean as you were saying like it goes up and down and I have talked to people about this before and they they always say well um emotions are always um they always change, they always fluctuate. So it's the idea, as they say, depression um, won't be forever, but then at the same time, getting better won't always be forever as well. So you have to, in my head, I'm trying to accept that because I feel like if I can accept that, then I can, um, when I get bad again, I know what I need to do to get better, if you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Jay, um... Yeah, I think uh, with acceptance, like you said, Shana, I think most mental health issues, acceptance is either the first step or arguably the most important one. Um, And yeah, I think a lot about it is learning to live with it um, and how to cope on a day-to-day basis and be aware of that cycle and aware that things will be better and things will be worse. And it's hard to accept that, but I think it's a good attitude to have. Um, I know I've spoken about like this with like a therapist. It's the thing of, you know, I think I was saying about how you're feeling good and then you know it's going to get, you're going to hit another ball in a week or so. And he was like, oh, well, you do expect that to happen. And I was like, and I was like, I knew what he was trying to say. I knew he was being like, you can't, you can't assume everything's going to get worse. But then he was like, but it's also good that you um, are aware that might happen and then you don't beat yourself up over it when it happens, if it happens, because it won't happen for everyone. But I think, yeah, it's awareness and acceptance of coming to terms with it, but also it's that thing of not relying on it because I think you can, when you've struggled with it for so long, you find comfort in it and you don't want to change um which isn't a great attitude to have um but it's also really hard to get out of that and that's probably quite difficult for a lot of people that haven't been there to understand because people that that have never expect that are lucky enough never to have experienced that might listen to that and think but that sounds like you're being pessimistic and almost almost always expecting the worst to happen but actually it's that understanding that you know, it's all about, I suppose, your levels of resilience and and just being able, being aware and being knowing yourself and knowing that maybe at certain points your resistance levels are going to be lower and and it's going to be more difficult to cope. Um, Keely, did you want to come in there? Um, I think about. Um, when we was talking about acceptance I feel like when I first got diagnosed I didn't want to tell family or friends because people who are outside of all their mental health issues they don't really understand how it can feel to be depressed or have mental health issues and they kind of like well just be happy or just smile just get out of bed but they don't understand the real struggles or day-to-day activities 
Yeah. And that's why these these conversations that we have are so important to help maybe educate people and help them just to understand how how difficult it is. And and actually it it can hit anyone at any time during their lives. Um when you know you may feel like you're the most positive person in the world and and you can cope with anything and you you know you have coped with things in the past and then something happens and it it just hits you and it's not until you go through it that you really understand and the impact that it can have Ashley I'm going to come to you I don't know if it's just my way I'm not sure if there's any other ones but when I tend to hit really low I get these voices in my head so um I they like I've sort of been diagnosed in a way with schizophrenic voices um so when I'm feeling low the voices are always there but when I hit rock bottom it's like they overtake everything so trying to get up in the mornings is really, really hard. Um, it's like this voice is just holding me down um, and they don't tend to disappear. Uh, so you've got to try to fight through it and trying to fight through the voices and trying to fight, putting on a brave face and having the energy and the motivation and stuff to do things. It's just so tiring, but no one realised what most people go through because I feel like people with mental health, is, is, depending on how long you suffered with it, it's so easy just to put that face on now. It's so easy because mine's been about seven, eight years. So being fake in a way, like with my facial expressions, my body language, the way I speak and type and holding back my tears just comes so easily because I've gone through it for so long. So. Thanks, Ashley, for sharing that. Um, and I'm going to uh, come to you next, Jay, but I wonder if we can maybe start thinking about um, how you do cope, how you do make yourself, um, you know, um, function on a daily basis what helps you Jay I think it really helps to I think in the last I don't know a few months year or so I've kind of changing my perspective on it um, to I think for so long I'm striving for happiness to be normal and people tell you normal doesn't exist but you know what I mean you know and I think I just changed my perspective to chasing that, to just chasing, well, not chasing, just wanting to be okay, to be all right, to be content. And I think lowering that bar a little bit feels more achievable and trying to live each day as itself and not constantly looking forward, um, but also not looking back, you know. Um, and I think as well, kind of the whole mental illness and physical illness separation I think um the therapist kind of said to me I was like you know saying how I feel like I'd missed out on a lot of my childhood to my mental health um and I wish I never did that I wish it wasn't I wish I never started that and he was like wait what that, that isn't your choice um because I said how they're different and he goes they kind of are but they're not because your brain is an organ and that's physical and it's chemicals so that kind of broke it down for me to be like oh yeah this isn't my choice and like I know that and we know that but sometimes it takes someone to tell you that um to make you see and I think I guess a lot of that comes back to just not being too hard on yourself and um, again easier said than done but I think that's most helpful it's just yeah day by day look after yourself in typical ways I guess so taking really small steps yeah like that taking each day as it comes mm -hmm. not not setting yourselves to higher standards so those little achievable 
debt. Yeah. That's really mm-hmm. helpful advice. Thank you. Keely, I can see that you are agreeing with that. Is that what you would recommend? Is that what you do? Um, I would say for me, when I'm in such a low stage, I try to pick out the things that are easy to do. And I try and contemplate between everything I have to do for the day. Some of it's like what everyone does in the day or going to school, doing my schoolwork. And I feel like you have to kind of pick and choose what you feel like you can do for that day. Shana. Um, what Jay was saying about um, taking one day at a time um, and like the difference between um, mental illness and physical illness, it reminded me of when my um, dad was very ill and we didn't know what was wrong with him. And my mum kept saying she's just going to take one day at a time and see if um, to get him better. So I feel like even though um, mental illness and physical illness are different and that should be treated um, differently, they, they still have the similarities of like, you know, you have to take it slowly and you have to um, just try and get through it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Shana. So obviously at different points you've all accessed different services for for help and support um, to help you to cope with your depression. Um, I'm not going to say cure because there is no cure is there for depression. Um, But what, what types of therapy have helped you? What have you found has really helped to grow your resilience or to to teach you the methods that you have learned is there anything you would recommend Ashley um obviously my method used to be climbing myself before I found out many new methods um so like there is the lavender bath with candles or something um there is like sitting there and listening to music but not depressing music upbeat lift like lifting music so it makes you feel a little bit better um in my ways I find it a lot easier to cry it out most times I feel like it's easier to take yourself from away from the situation and take a breather if you need to cry have a cry if you need to put some music on put some music on and also there's like um you know the flick of a hairband on your wrist so you've got something else or you zone out a little bit and listen to all the surroundings around you so like birds tweeting or the clock ticking so then it's taking you away from the negative that you're feeling that's negative at the minute so yeah so that tuning into the sensory sort of um, so your surroundings, which I think was some advice that was given during our podcast on anxiety. So that five, four, three, two, one, those grounding techniques. Shana, what, what have you found has been helpful? Um, I've done counselling and CBT therapies before. And I found them helpful more in the fact of just being able to talk to someone about it. And um, kind of, I remember before I said to the counsellor, like, oh, um, you probably are saying something like quite traumatic that happened to me. I was saying like, you probably, you probably hear about this all the time. And she's like, actually, I don't because everyone's story is different and um, everyone reacts differently. So that kind of changed my thinking about it and perspective on my feelings and what happened to me and just being able to talk to people about it and be open about it really helps because a lot of my depression is um, quite skewed thoughts about things and negative thinking and as I say catastrophizing thoughts and stuff so being able to get someone else's perspective and hear um, I suppose how my thoughts are sometimes skewed helps me to um, change what I'm thinking about and understand 
the difference, if you know what I mean. It's kind of hard to explain, like changing my perspective and just doing that helps a lot. Um, and also I found just walking around outside helps. I know that's a bit like general, but I mean in um, like parks and I like the, the ducks in the lakes and stuff. I like to feed the ducks, but yeah, just talking to people doing all that really helps me getting outside and appreciating your environment connecting with nature and 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 having some some quiet space I suppose as well and a bit of mindfulness Ashling, I'm going to come to you um Shana mentioned about CBT there I wonder if you can just give us a little bit of information for those that might know might not know what CBT is yeah, of course. So um, CBT stands for Cognitive Behavioural Therapy. Um, and I think we have actually done a podcast all explaining all about what CBT is. Um, and it's something that, that kind of makes that link and that connection between your thoughts and your motivations and your behaviours. Um, and I know that there's lots of different kind of homeworks and pieces of work that are done outside of the therapy as well as attending the therapy sessions. Um, so, I mean, that's my understanding as an, I've never received CBT. Um, so I don't know if anyone else wants to share a little bit about their experiences with CBT, particularly for depression um, and how they've found that, because I know there's quite a lot of different therapies that can be used um, to, to try and treat or support with depression. Jay, if you want to come in. Yeah, I mean, I've done quite a few different things over the years for different things. And I think the thing I found most helpful for depression um, was probably like the psychotherapy, talking therapy stuff. Um, but also CBT, I think, for me, helped most with anxiety-based things because um, it was a way of changing your pattern of thinking. Um, and again, I think it's one of, like all therapies work different for different people. And I think that's so important to stress. And I think it's worth giving it all a go. If you're offered it, have it, try it. If it's not for you, there's something else, you know. Don't give up after trying one thing because it doesn't work you know um and I think I found DBT quite helpful um which I'm sort of sure we'll get a description on in a minute um which I think is it's more about acceptance and living with it and coping with it in the moment rather than trying to fix it and I think that's what I found most helpful um I think what Shana said about um going for walks and you're kind of like oh yeah well everyone says that he's something like that and I think that's so true and that's something I definitely agree with I think there's this stigma and this thing I see online all the time like jokes about have a bath and a cup of tea like crisis team advice and I think for some people and in the moment you're like oh that doesn't help oh that but I think in a lot of ways it can't it does help a bit um because Nothing someone's going to say is going to fix the problem straight away. But those little things will help in the moment and help them pass. Um, and it's about feeling comfortable and safe. And I think those little things, I think, are helpful when you're really struggling. Because I don't think when you're in a really bad place, therapy isn't as effective because you need to work. It's, it's the therapist and you working together. They're not going to do it all for you. Yeah, and I, I just think it's really important to say as well that um, different therapies work for different people and different therapists work for different people. Um, and I know, you know, from all of these conversations that we have that one of the biggest challenges can be accepting that you need help and you need support and reaching out for that. Um, and, you know, you might you might reach out and be offered a therapy that really doesn't resonate with you it doesn't help you um, and to just say that's not you failing um, 
that's that's just unfortunately you haven't found the, the right one for you first time but to persevere um, and make sure you get the support that you need Jay I think that's so important and that wherever you're accessing help you should feel safe and able to speak up about that if it's not working for you say and if your relationship with your therapist isn't for you if you don't like them if you're not getting on with them you can say and they won't be offended by that they shouldn't be and if they are it's not your problem because you're you need to look after yourself and it, you're not going to get um what you need out of your therapy if you're not feeling safe and open um and you know there will be someone you can go to to tell them that's not right even if you don't want to say to that person themselves because I know that can be really uncomfortable but you know there'll be someone in the service that you can go to and be like hi this isn't working I don't feel like this relationship is for me can I have someone else um and they should respect that Yeah, you've raised some some really important points there. Firstly, you know, having the courage to speak up and ask for help, that's a really big step, isn't it, to make. Um, and that help can be accessed through all sorts of different ways. It, it's about you finding the person that you feel comfortable talking to, whether that's somebody in school, um, whether it's a family member, whether you feel more comfortable speaking to somebody that's a little bit more removed from the situation, but the help is there, whether it's via a GP, as I say, through school, it's about taking that first step, acknowledging that you need that help and then reaching out and asking for it and then being signposted to, to the right place for you to get that help. Um, Ashley, you've got your hand up. Um, I think what Jay, like, I agree with 100% what Jay was saying, because in my personal experience, it's kind of hard when you're feeling low and you just want everything to go, you know, like you just want to end it all. Um, and I found it really difficult to tell the woman that gave me life that I don't want it anymore. It's really difficult to turn around and say, to a parent or a carer that has brought you up for them for you to turn around and be like but I want it gone now you feel selfish in a way to tell them but you have to because at the end of the day if that's how you're feeling you need to speak up about it because there is so many lives that get taken every single day and no one wants you gone you may feel like it but no one no one ever wants anyone to just you know get rid of themselves just always open up because if not then you're alone whether it's to a friend a parent carer even if you just go to like your gp you know just talk to anyone please get that help don't just sit back thanks ashley that's 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 really helpful and I'm sure um, that will make a huge difference to, to a lot of people. Keely? Um, I don't know about anyone else, but sometimes I feel like talking to professionals, sometimes they don't really understand, they only understand by the book or what they've been taught in their education of becoming someone to talk to. But I feel like talking to people who go to the participation meetings and to CAMS, especially the young people, they understand where you're coming from. And also, I find it helpful, I know it might sound weird, but to talk to my pets because they can't say anything back and they can't judge you for being you. Like, they just kind of make you happy and put a smile on your face. Absolutely. And actually, um, thank you for, for sharing how helpful you find the group and the peer support that you get from the other young people. And um, we, we talk a lot about pets, don't we? I think there's only probably one or two people in our group that doesn't have an animal. And they're so therapeutic, aren't they? It's that, it's that having responsibility, I think, for somebody else, for taking, having to, to look after um somebody and and you're right just 
you know, being able to share something, not expecting an answer, but just being able to offload. And there's something really special about a relationship that you can form with, whether it's a dog or a cat or a guinea pig or a horse. You know, it, it's so important, isn't it, Jay? Yeah, I know definitely on those days where things are really hard or I know days in the past um, when, you know, you're not very good um, just being around your your animal, your dog, whatever. Um, you know, you can't think those things when you're holding a little life, you know. Um, and, you know, it gets you out and it's a distraction um, and it feels nice. Like not necessarily going out in a walk, but just sitting in a different room with your dog. You know, you're out of the space. You're sensory wise, you're stroking the dog, the smells, the textures um and you know your pet loves you unconditionally um and shows that in a different way to a person and I think um there's no nothing else that can do that I don't think Shana um I was just gonna say I agree with what Keely said about um sometimes clinicians don't like really understand what you're trying to say and I've also found that some want to talk more, if you know what I mean. Like, they, they'll ask me a question and then I'll start trying to explain and then they'll interrupt me and then start talking about how what I've said is um, wrong or what I've said is not, you know. So I'm trying to explain myself, but they just want to talk to, at me, you know. I found that and that isn't really helpful for me. Um but yeah, definitely with the animals. I love um, my cats and I always, when um, Finn had his other hamster, we'd always hold him and he'd like sit on your shoulder and um, just chill there or like sit in your hood and it was just so cute. And it, yeah, it's just nice, you know, because when, when you're like, holding them, you just feel like you can't leave them because if, if you leave them they're just going to be by themselves you're not going to be able to see them and they're just so cute yeah <laughs> thanks Shana I've got an image now of a little hamster in your in the neck of your hoodie <laughs> um Keely um I feel like my guinea pigs live in my room because they're just mine not a family pet but especially when it's because it gets really hard at night just hearing the guinea pig run around or make their weakened noises it just kind of calms you down because you know they're in the room with you so then you just kind of go over see what they're doing and then it kind of distracts you from whatever you was thinking before that's a really good idea because we talked haven't we about the difficulties that that's a really difficult time of day isn't it or night sorry you know if you wake up in the night you, your head's full of different thoughts um, and that brings me on to how it how actually depression can um, the physical effects of depression and and that it can very much affect sleep patterns and I wanted to um, just get your opinions really about um, whether you've tried medication whether it's helped um, because I know certain certain medications that are given to help depression can really impact on your sleep. Um, so I'm gonna come to Jay first. Yeah, I I think with medication, I've been on a few. I was on like a SSRI, like a antidepressant, like a quite a common one for a few years. Um, I don't think it did a lot for me, it did it early on, but in the end, it didn't do a lot. Um, and that got changed eventually. Um, and I was put on a mood stabilizer, which I found so much more helpful. But I think there's, again, things with different ages being allowed certain medications with that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and I think it was described to me recently, actually. I don't know the scientific part behind this because this was just this lady's opinion, but <laughs> I don't know if the numbers are correct, but she said medications like 10%. And you have to put in the 90%. They're there to give you that motivation. 
I think it's a bit more than that, but you know, I think they're there to give you that motivation and to get you to a point where you're ready to challenge it yourself. And that's why a lot of people say medication works best alongside therapy. Um, because some little pills aren't going to fix anything, you know, they'll just help a little bit, give you that step up, I would say. Um, and yeah, I think they can affect, yeah, they do affect your sleep because they're, they're chemicals that are affecting your brain. Um, some make you more sleepy, some make you less sleepy. Um, and that's a lot. Yeah. Thanks, Jay. That's really helpful. Keely. Um, I feel like the antidepressants that I've been on, I've been on a few, but they do make you feel sleepy, but they can't make you fall asleep. And as well, I've been on, I'm on two different types of sleeping medications put together on the highest strength, but I feel like they don't work, but they're meant to make you sleepy. But everything that goes on inside your head, it stops you from falling asleep. You get what I mean? Which is really difficult. And lack of sleep can have a huge impact then on your mental health, can't it? It just it's like a, a never-ending cycle. Shana, what's your experience? Have you tried different medications in the past? Uh, yeah, I was on SSRIs, a common one, for a year and a bit. Well, year and a half, I think. Um, and this was, like, during college. And I remember it made me, like, really tired. Um, so, literally, I'd be falling asleep in my classes, even though I'd had, like, 11 hours of sleep the night before which was quite difficult because obviously I wasn't focusing and it made it hard to focus, but it did help um, eventually um, a bit. And I think that year and a half was probably um, when I was as best as I was, if you know what I mean. That was like, I was quite good at that time. And then I came off of them, um, which is its own process quite long. <laughs> And like the pressure to come off of them as well, um, I didn't appreciate that. It's like, um, they kept, the clinicians were telling me I had to come off of it and even though I wasn't ready. Um, so I came off of them and I'm back on them now. So the exact same dose and the same medication and it's um, doing, a, it's helping a bit, but not as much as it was before, obviously. But yeah, it's a bit weird. <laughs> And it's finding that balance, I think, between not wanting to become completely reliant on something. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, it's never advisable to just stop taking something um, that you've been prescribed. It is very much like coming off, weaning yourself off and coming off, gradually reducing dosages. And that should be always done with the guidance of a, of a clinician. Um, and a, a, there's a lot of stigma around taking medication. Some people are very, um, very against it, but actually for a lot of people, it can be really, really helpful. Jay? Yeah, um, that stigma um, is something I definitely wanted to talk about. I think it's the stigma from society, but also internalised. I know um, when I first started them, I was quite young and... Um, family some family members were like why are you putting him on that that's you know all that stuff um and I I, I at that point I was just like I don't really care about anything um and but then as time's gone on and I've been on things longer for a while I look back now and I I, I didn't like the fact I was on them and I had to rely on something else in a little pill to fix me or help me um but I've learned that there's nothing wrong with that um and like you said in terms of coming off them correctly and things that's so important and taking them correctly because I know that's a big issue that lots of people face you go oh everything's fine now I'll just stop taking them no don't do that stupid mistake um always follow your doctor's advice and read the side effects but don't you know they'll be a bit scary some of them but you need to know what's going on because some of them have quite big ones um especially some are quite sedative so you need to be aware of that um if you're doing other things that will require you to be alert 
Yeah, thanks for emphasising that point. It is, it's, it's so important. And there are side effects. They have to list every possible side effect that's ever affected anyone. So sometimes the list can look really frightening and it's important not to focus on those because they're such a tiny percentage. Um, but, you know, it is always being aware of the impact. Ashley? I mean, I've only recently just started taking some antidepressants um, and I can't lie, at the beginning I was so tired. Like within an hour of taking them, I would be asleep for about an hour or two hours. Um, but I do remember starting them and I'm like, do I really need tablets to help boost it? Like, I've never really told anyone I'm on tablets. There's only a few people that know because... I've only just started them and it does feel really embarrassing, but I'm getting to the point where you don't need to be embarrassed. Everyone needs a little bit of help, whether it's physically, mentally, even at college, housework, everyone needs a little bit of help. You know, we just all get it in different ways. So if you ever get put on medication or don't, don't ever be scared to ask for help. It can be quite intimidating going into your doctor and being like look admitting how you're feeling is scary because I remember when I first started going to MH I didn't want to open about anything because I was so scared that I was going to get judged but you're not alone at all in this and there will always always be someone that understands that what you're going through or is always there so you can talk to thank you so much Ashley that's again really helpful advice um thank you Keely um I feel like the first time I started my medication on the first day I kind of felt like it was starting to work or when I first started the very first sleeping tablets I took that night I fell straight to sleep but then as like the days went on it just stopped working I couldn't fall asleep and the antidepressants were having no impact on me. So I feel like that was a little bit of a letdown. But as well with getting medication, I feel so ashamed of myself that I hate going into like a pharmacy to get my own prescription because I don't want the people behind the reception of the pharmacy to think bad of me just because I'm going in to get medication to help me sleep or just get through the day and even taking medication every day it kind of reminds me that I'm not all right and I do need help. It's really difficult to get over those stigmas because I think they've been around for such a long time um, but I, I always think when when you're thinking something like that do you know what the chances are that that person that's serving you at the pharmacy either them or their mum, or their daughter, or their sister. You know, when you think about the rates of, of, of mental health in the general population, it's very, very rare now that you will find a person to talk to that hasn't been impacted in some way um, by mental health, by depression, by anxiety, by struggles of some kind. So there is absolutely no need to feel ashamed or embarrassed as Ashley said we all need a little bit of help now and then um, and I think people are increasingly more open about the struggles that they've been through I think it's hard to avoid every single day when you put the telly on a news channel a documentary a drama somebody is talking about mental health and trying to sort of break down those stigmas and that discrimination so um I think my plea to people would be you know don't ever make somebody feel ashamed don't feel ashamed yourself um it's so important to reach out and ask that help um I just wanted to think lastly really about um, what signs and symptoms we would tell people to look out for um, so that they can recognise when somebody might be struggling. 
and that might be a difficult question to answer um but i wonder if family members might might have um sort of picked up on certain things jay i know my mum always says she can tell i'm struggling if i am one sleeping a lot um in the day not waking up in the morning all that and i kind of just stop talking not completely but i'm i chat quite a lot normally i do speak a lot <laughs> um so it's quite noticeable when i stop um so i think they're quite you kind of people tend to like shut down in themselves but also sometimes people don't sometimes people go the opposite way um to prove that they are fine if they are not um and again, like we said before about not wanting to do certain things or not feeling you're able to do certain things. So, you know, if someone stops coming out as much, that sort of thing um, are quite big signs, I think. So withdrawing the sleepiness, the, the um, lack of energy, mm -hmm. really? Um, definitely for me at the start, I felt like I was over energetic or over happy because I wanted to try to prove to everyone that I was okay. So I kind of just made everything seem better than it was. But then as it as it carried on, I kind of just started slipping down and down and I stopped talking to people. Um, I just kind of ignore everyone's messages and I stopped going out like, I used to go out all the time and I just stopped going out. Um, I kind of just, my life kind of just paused because I couldn't find the strength in me to do what, what I needed to do. So I feel like everyone notices because I just, I can't sleep. So I'm always tired. And then I kind of just stopped talking. I don't go and see family members. I just stay at home. Sometimes I just stay in my room by myself and I just stop communicating with the world. Thanks, Keely. So definitely lots of signs to look out for then. Thank you. Shana? I find um, for me it's like, I'll do a lot more work, so a lot more school work, uni work, um, but I won't talk to my friends as much and I won't do, like, because I like to do a lot of painting and art and stuff, I won't do that. Um, but I'll still talk to, like, my family because um, I see them more, I suppose, and if I don't, then they'll know that something's wrong. So it's kind of like I'm trying to show the world that I'm okay but in in my flat like I'm not doing things I normally do if you know what I mean because obviously my friends are at, at their unis and like, I text them and stuff usually and we have like we play games online but if I'm feeling sad I won't do that yeah so burying yourself in sort of a workload but actually withdrawing from the things that you would ordinarily enjoy so the things, so that's a really good, good example of something to look out for. So if somebody's normally, I don't know, really sporty, or if somebody is, um, you know, usually really creative and 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 suddenly stops doing things, but actually they still seem really busy, that can be a really good sign. Yeah, thank you for that. Jay, do you find that you withdraw from because it you you've got your really sort of creative um things that you do do you tend to stop doing them when you're really struggling yeah definitely that's like the main thing I notice within myself apart from obviously the thoughts I'm having it's one of the main um physical things I notice I don't do art for fun I don't play my guitar I don't like even like play video games the things that make me feel good I don't do but it's not conscious I just don't have the energy, um, which is really sad because I know it will make me feel better, but then I just can't do it. So you just have to kind of force yourself to do it, I think, um, and show yourself that it does help. 
um yeah i think because yeah i think it's you said it's that thing of it's like i said i think earlier on it's, it's a performance you put on this performance to convince everyone you're fine and i think a lot of, of guys feel that it's that protective you've got to protect everyone around you from it um protect your family you don't want them to worry about you all that sort of thing where it's like well things won't get better unless other people help you like you can you can get through things on your own but it's much harder um and the sooner you ask for help the easier it will be to get over it and to yeah get anywhere thanks jay um i just wanted to say something um that i think is quite important to raise as well is that um there isn't always a reason for depression sometimes it can be absolutely triggered by something that happens by an event um but actually the majority of the time there is no specific reason so asking somebody why they're depressed um is really not the right thing to do um they probably won't be able to tell you and that leads to a, even more of a lack of understanding, actually, doesn't it? I think um, so. Yeah, don't don't ask why somebody is feeling like that, but ask what you can do to help them and support them. Um, Shana. Um, yeah, I completely agree with that because I'm always um, in my head asking why all the time anyway. So you asking me, I'm not going to know <laughs> anyway. So, um, and it is quite frustrating because like, this is the question I've been asking since I suppose I was diagnosed with it. Like, why do I feel this way? Um, I don't, it's kind of like, sometimes people say like, you have nothing to be upset about, but then it's all to do within your brain, isn't it as well? It's not just externally, it's also internally of what's going on in your head. And it's quite difficult. So yeah, I completely agree with that. Ashley, I could see that you were nodding away furiously there. And I think that's something that really resonates with a lot of people in my experience, people that I've known, personal circumstances, that, that's very much the case. Um, so yeah, just, just a word of advice from, <laughs> from me is um, really not to ask that question. Ashley? Um, I was mainly going to say, like, you're always going to ask why. Don't ever say, oh, there's got to be a reason to someone, because most of the times I don't know the reason. Like, we don't know the reasons why. But, yeah, if you're going to speak to someone, let them in their own time to tell you what's going on. It's been such a insightful and helpful discussion with you all today um, and I know we had some really fantastic response to our previous conversation about anxiety saying how much it's given people an understanding about what the person they love is going through and I'm really hopeful that this conversation will have the same impact um, and will encourage people to reach out and ask for help or maybe recognize some of the things that you've talked about in someone that they know and you know just start that conversation about how somebody is really feeling and and actually keep persevering if you think somebody is really struggling you know don't be afraid to keep asking what you can do to help and support them um they might not know the answer to that question but it's just being there um, for them so that when they're ready they can open up and talk to you any final words of advice um for the people that are listening to this conversation ashley i was just gonna say at the end of the day you may feel really low but there is always a light at the end of the tunnel there is always going to be someone there to talk to you 
someone who's going to support you, someone to encourage you, whether that's a carer, a professional, even if it's just your manager from work, you know, literally anyone is there for you. <laughs> You're not alone in this um, and everything. So, yeah. Thanks, Ashley. Okay. So many people care about you um, more than you would think. And when you're really struggling, you convince yourself that nobody cares. But so many more people care than you would think about. So you just got to remind yourself that. And again, that's hard to believe when you can't see it and you can't, and people haven't told you, but people do care. So if you, aren't struggling make sure you tell people that you care about them because you never know who's struggling and you could really make a difference thanks that's really really helpful thank you and Keely final words from you um I would like to say look out for your family and friends and just be careful how you approach someone about the subject yeah that's that's a, another really important bit of advice. I think just important to keep letting people know that you're there for them, isn't it, Shana? Just wanted to say, um, struggling with depression is very hard, and to be um, sympathetic to yourself and empathetic to yourself, and not put high expectations on yourself, and just try and um, get through it as best you can. Thanks, Shana. Really wise words. Um, Ashlyn, I'm going to come to you to um, for some final words of wisdom and to close our conversation. Thank you. Um, and thanks all of you for joining us and for sharing so much about your experiences. And I'm really hoping that people will come away with a good understanding of um, things to look out for and the people that they care about, but also ways to support them and ways for people to support themselves as well. Um, I think it's really important that we stress that message to reach out for help and to keep reaching out for help if the help that you get isn't, isn't what you need first time as well. Um, as we've established, depression looks really different for everybody. Um, and there's not going to be one thing that it will will fix you or will cure you, but it's an accumulation of lots of little things that you can do and lots of different people and lots of ways of supporting yourself. So make sure you're open to all of them. Um, thank you again for sharing uh, such insightful comments and experiences with us. And thank you everybody for listening as well. You've been listening to CAMS Talk, a podcast brought to you by the Luton and Bedford CAMS team and the Luton and Bedford Service User Participation Group. If you'd like to hear more from us, just go over to camstalk.com and subscribe. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts or any of the other platforms that you're using. Once you've subscribed, you'll get notification on your device every time we release a new episode. If you want to comment or share your views, you can contact us on Twitter using at camstalk or you can send us an email using info at camstalk.com. One last thing before we go. Don't forget to use the hashtag camstalkpodcast whenever you comment on social media. We'll speak to you soon. <laughs>